Christmas time here at the cathedral, and it's great to see everybody. If you would stand with me, please, for just a moment. Oh, God is good, and all the time. Again, it is such a special time of year, and one of the things that I love to do at Christmas is to sing. We used to go Christmas caroling around the neighborhood. I'm going to invite you to join me in singing Joy to the World. The Lord has come. Tommy, can you help me out? Everybody. And joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Amen. Way to go, Cathedral. That's awesome. Y'all, all this month, uh, remain standing all this month, uh, we're, we're looking at this series called The Gift, and we're thinking about what you could say is the most famous baby shower ever. I was remembering back when, when our kids, this was a long time ago, when our kids were uh, born. Uh, back then, to show you how much of a dinosaur I am, back then, the guys weren't expected to go to the baby shower. The guys would go and watch football or something. Yeah, and all the guys remember the good old days, right? And the ladies would open those cute, adorable gifts now, in today's generation, I know it's different. Uh, there's no gender discrimination when it comes to uh, baby showers. And husbands are not only invited, they are expected to go. They really are. And if you try to make an, up an excuse for why you can't go, you get that look from the wife. You know the look I'm talking about, that one right there. But it could be that my generation got it wrong and you millennials got it right because you can trace guys going to baby showers all the way back to the story of the nativity. The wise men from the east side, they've got their gifts and they're on the way to the baby shower. And we read about that moment in Matthew chapter 2. I invite you to Read this out loud with me, and let's fill this place with the Word of God. Everyone say it with me. The wise men went to the house. There they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures. They gave him the gift of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Can we give God praise for his Word? Amen. Thank you, God, for the power of the nativity. Now, let, let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful family at Cathedral. Thank you for guests and friends who are here today. Uh, thank you, Father, for all of these folks who have taken time to slow down enough during this very busy time of year to come and meet with you in this moment. So, God, help us to hear the one thing that we need to hear, that it will take hold of our hearts, and that this week will be different because we've met you in this moment 
That's our heart. That's our desire. All God's people said, amen. Amen. One more time. Can we give God praise? Thank you, God, for this time of year. Amen. And we sang Joy to the World a moment ago. Share your joy with two or three people around you. If you don't know them, introduce yourself to them. We're part of one big family today, the family of God. Thanks so much again for being here. Thank you, Lord. Now, last week, we looked at the gift of gold, that gold was a gift that was fit for a king. And today, for the next few moments, I want to look with you at the gift of frankincense. That frankincense is a gift that is fit for... I heard about these three Catholic moms. And they were together, and you know how moms like to brag on their kids... So they were bragging about their sons, and one mom said, well, my son is a bishop, and when everybody, when he walks into the room, everybody says, your excellence. And the other mom says, well, my son is a cardinal, and when he walks into the room, everybody says, your eminence. And then finally, the last lady said, well, my son is six foot four has dark, wavy hair, ocean blue eyes, a striking physique. He is so handsome that when he walks the room, everybody says, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. The gift of frankincense. Is a gift fit for last week? I opened up this box and wow, look at this week. There's there's this really cool house. Got a house and snow and a little snowman there in front. And look what else is in this box. You have a here's a box of frankincense. What in the world is frankincense? Well, There is a resin that comes from a tree, and you can take that resin and make it into an oil. In fact, if you go shopping today in our valley, they sell this oil. Now, they market it under another name, but frankincense is at the base. And they say that this oil, it can do all kinds of amazing things for you, that it can reduce stress, that it can boost your immune function that it can take away inflammation, that it can treat dry skin. Here's what they say. It can even reverse the signs of aging. Can somebody get me some frankincense for Christmas? Amen. Help me out. Back in the days of Jesus, what they would do is they would take that same resin and they would make it into an incense. In fact, this little house right here has a chamber and you can put incense there 
and you can burn it. Let's see if this will work. Don't burn down the church, Pastor Ken. All right. You get the incense going just a bit. You burn it out. Slide that in there. Would you look at that? Coming right out the chimney. How cool is that? In the days of Jesus, they would take frankincense and use it for a very specific purpose. The priest would light the frankincense and they would use it in the temple as a part of their worship. And they would offer the sweet fragrance of frankincense to God. When the wise men come and give Jesus the gift of frankincense. They're offering a gift. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know what Jesus has come to do? It's the mystery of all mysteries. The miracle of all miracles. In Matthew chapter 1, we read this about Jesus. It says... The virgin is going to have a baby. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel means God with us. Say that with me. God with us. Say it again. God with us. The gift of frankincense is a gift to God. God is with us. If you go into the valley and you ask your neighbors or those you work with or those you go to school with, who do you think Jesus is? You really do get all kinds of answers in our valley. You do. There are some people who think Jesus was a prophet. Others will tell you they think he was a teacher. Others will tell you they think he was a good man. But if you follow the scent of frankincense, It takes you beyond that, beyond prophet and beyond teacher and beyond good man. The Christmas is the time when we celebrate the moment when God steps down from heaven and comes to earth as a flesh and blood baby. That in Jesus we have someone who is more than just a good man. He is the one and only God man, truly God And truly, man, God with us. Can we give him praise? Amen. He's God with us. I want you to own that today. God with us. Say that with me. God with us. This is proclaimed at his birth, but you see it proclaimed throughout his life. You find passages such as, well, in Matthew 14, the disciples say, Well, the Bible says about the disciples that those in the boat worship Jesus. They said, you really are the son of God. Now, remember who the disciples were. They were good first century Jewish men. They would never, ever worship another human being. It wasn't in them. But there was something compelling about Jesus. Something so compelling. 
They lived with him for three years. When you live with somebody for three years, you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, my wife, we've been married for 36 years. And yeah, that qualifies her for sainthood. It really does. And she knows the good, the bad, and the ugly about me. She really does. And there's one temptation she's never had in our 36 years of marriage. She's never been tempted to bow down before me and to worship me as God. (laughs) Never once. Because she's lived with me. But somehow, these disciples live with Jesus for three years. And something is so compelling that they worship Jesus and say, you really are the son of God. And then at the death of Jesus, the centurion watches Jesus die and he says, you really are the son of God. Now remember, he was a soldier. This was his job. He puts people to death every day. He had oversaw hundreds of crucifixions. He saw lots of people die. But there was something that was so radically different about the way Jesus died on the cross that as Jesus is hanging on the cross, dead, the centurion bows his knee and says, this really is the Son of God. There was something so compelling about the person of Jesus That from the moment of his birth, that throughout his life, the moment of his death, John chapter 1, John is summing up the nativity story for us, taking the big picture point of view. And he says this about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. This is Christ Jesus he's talking about. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Friend, that is the mystery of all mysteries. Amen. Yeah, let's give God praise. That's a good place to to give God thanks and praise. That at Christmas, if you really want to know who Jesus is, you follow the fragrance of frankincense. That in Jesus, we have God with us. Say that with me. God with us. Now, I want you to own that this week. I want you to live in that reality because there's some big implications if Jesus is who he says he is. And the first implication is this, is because God is with us, we don't have to be in the dark anymore. We can know what God is really like. There was a group called the Beatles and the lead guitar player for the Beatles was a guy by the name of George Harrison. And Rolling Stone magazine was once interviewing George, and instead of music, they talked about the big issues of life. And during that interview, this is what he said, the most important thing in life is to figure out why we are here and what we are here for. Everything else in life can wait, but the search for God cannot wait. And I think he's right. There's other issues 
If the Raiders move out of town, look, help me get through my depression. Amen. Other issues can wait, but the search for God cannot wait. But here's the challenge. Where can you find him? I thought to myself, you can find everything on the internet. So this week I got on the computer and I typed in the word God. And I clicked on the search engine. I googled God. And here's what I found out. There were over three and a half billion websites that had something to say concerning God. Three and a half billion. And just by perusing a few of them, there's so many different ideas and thoughts and opinions when it comes to God. And I thought to myself, is this where we're at? How confusing this is. Is there any way to know if this is the most important question in life, the search for God? Is there any way we can find him or are we destined to live in darkness? Are we destined to be agnostics? Is there any way we can know who God really is? I'm a human being. I'll never know everything about God. But can I ever know something for sure concerning God? And the gift of the wise men give us the answer. If you're looking for God, the Bible says, look at the face of Jesus. God is with us. And we don't have to be in the dark anymore. Amen? We can know who God really is because of Jesus. The Bible says in John 1.18, it says, No one has ever seen God. The only Son is the one who has shown us what God is like. He is himself God and is very close to the Father. If you want to know what the Father is like, look at the Son. In fact, in one place, Jesus says, No one knows what the Father is really like except the Son. And that's good news for us. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. We don't have to be in the dark anymore. How do we know, how do we know that God is like a loving Father and not an impersonal force? We know this because of Jesus. How do we know that God is not only infinitely great, if someone is infinitely great but thoroughly bad, we're in trouble. How do we know God is infinitely great but also thoroughly good? We know this because of Jesus. How do we know that out of all the billions of people in the world, that God knows each one of us, cares about each one of us, and values each one of us, we know this because of Jesus. Jesus would give us statements about God. One time he was talking with the disciples and the disciples were being bullied. Isn't that something? There were bullies 2,000 years ago. The more things change, the more they stay the same. But Jesus told the disciples, you don't have to be afraid of bullies. 
Let me say that again. You don't have to be afraid of a bully. I want to say that one more time. You don't have to be afraid of a bully. You can courageously stand up to bullies. And Jesus said, this is why. Look at the answer he gives them. He says, what's the price of two or three pet canaries? Some loose change, right? But God never overlooks a single one. And he pays even greater attention to you down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. So don't be intimidated by all this bully talk. You're worth more than a million canaries. That is how much you matter to God. God knows you so well. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He values you. He cares about you. And God is watching over you. We know these things are true about God because of Jesus. In Jesus, we find that God is with us. Can we give him praise? Amen. God is with us. Hallelujah. God with me. Say that with me. God with me. God's with me. See, if I follow the, well, the gift of frankincense, it takes me right to this amazing truth that God is with us and I can have the victory I've always wanted. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in John chapter 1. It's actually verse 4 and 5. It reads this way. It says, in him there was life, and that life was a light for the people of the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not defeated it. The darkness has not defeated it. Our tech team has done such a great job putting up 225,000 lights. And my brother is, yeah, let's give it up for our tech team. They've done a great job. And... My brother is a good steward, so he was thinking about next year, how, what could we do to help power these lights at a low cost? And so he came up with an idea. I don't know. Watch it on the screen. See if you think this will work for us next year. Free power by Minsky. I don't know. Maybe it's not a good idea. But with all these lights, I thought it would be a crime not to use them during the sermon. So how about if we, well, if the light team, can we bring the lights down and make it dark in here? Darker, darker. Well, it's pretty dark in here. Uh, if you go home and it's this dark, I mean very dark, that you can barely see your hand in front of your face. It always is amazing to me that it doesn't matter how dark it is. That when you walk over to the switch, darkness can flex its muscles all that it wants. But when you reach over and you turn on the light, the darkness has to flee. The message is this. Light is stronger than darkness. Light is stronger than darkness. And light will prevail. Someone needs to know that because right now, truth be told, you're facing some very dark days. And the message of, well, of Christmas is that God is with us. 
that light has come into the world. Light is stronger than darkness, and light will ultimately prevail. In fact, the whole story of the nativity, when you think about it, it's all, well, it reinforces this message. It proclaims it loudly. Think about everything that happens at night. When Joseph has a dream, it happens at night. And when the angels sing to the shepherds, it happens at night. And when the wise men follow the star, it happens at night. And when the baby is born and laid in the manger, it happens at night. Even the time of year we celebrate, December 25th, it's one of the longest nights in the year. It's like the whole nativity story is set in a way that we can't miss the message. When it's dark in your world, when it's very dark in your world, and it's nighttime, Jesus is the light. And the light will break in, and light is stronger than darkness, and light will ultimately prevail. Can somebody say amen? Amen. The Bible says this about the coming of Jesus, the people who are now living in darkness, they will see a great light. They're now living in a very dark land, but a light will shine on them. Someone needs to know that today because as you look at your world, you're facing a very dark day and God brought you here this weekend to remind you That God is with us. God is with us. Because God is with us, darkness will not have the last word in my world. God is with us. Darkness will not have the last word on your kids. Light is stronger than darkness, and light will prevail. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. Darkness will not have the last word on your habits. You're going to break that addiction. God is with us and the light will prevail. Boy, darkness will not have the last word on your finances. You will get out of debt. Ultimately, light will prevail in your life. Darkness will not have the last word on your health. But God's healing power is present to make us well, and light will prevail. Amen. (laughs) Darkness will not have the last word on your heart. Where depression is ruling, light will break in. And light is stronger than darkness. Joy is on the way. Today is the day to take back your hope. God is with us. And because God is with us, light will break into your world. And ultimately, eventually, light is stronger than darkness. And light will prevail. The Bible says this about Jesus. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Mighty God. 
Light will prevail. Let's give God praise. Amen. <laughs> Believe it. Declare it today. God with us. Say it with me. God with us. God with me. Own it today. God with me. Boy, if Jesus wasn't God, we're just wasting our time. But if Jesus really is God, truly man and truly God, we don't have to be in the dark anymore. We can know what God's like. And we know that light will ultimately prevail. Without Jesus, we don't know. Who knows if darkness is stronger than light? But because of Jesus, we know light ultimately will prevail in our world. And then that finally brings us to, oh, I follow the frankincense. And you find someone who is worthy of our worship. Oh, Jesus. There is a comic called Family Circus, and it's very cute. In one of the comics, the little girl is setting up the nativity set, and she takes the little figure of Jesus, and she holds him up, and this is what she says. She says, here he is, the star of Bethlehem. And I love that. Because when you think about it, Jesus is the real star. He's the real star of Bethlehem. If you ever get a chance to visit the Church of the Nativity, you walk in, and then you go down a flight of stairs, and you walk into this cave. And in this one part of the cave, tradition that's been handed down for hundreds of years, say that this is the cave where Jesus was born. And to mark the location of where Jesus was laid in the manger, there's a star there. And when I saw it, I thought, that makes sense. Because Jesus is the real star of Bethlehem. But in order to touch the star, you can't do it standing up. You have to get down on your knees. And the last time we were there, with a group from the church. A lot of people going in and out. So there's not a lot of time. But I got down on my knees and I reached out to touch that star. And the most amazing thing happened, the best way I can describe it, is this strong sense of God's presence hit me. And tears welled up in my eyes and joy filled my heart. I reached out to touch the star. And in doing that, Jesus reached out and he touched me. And that is the power of Christmas. That when you encounter the real star of Bethlehem, you finally meet someone who's worthy of worship. I mean, when the wise men, how much did they know? I don't know how much they knew about Jesus. But when they got in his presence, they fell down at his feet and they worshiped him. And the same thing that they did is the same kind of thing that's happening right now in heaven. Did you know that? Right now in heaven, there's a group of wise men and wise women who are around the throne of Jesus. And the Bible says this about what's taking place in heaven. 
It says they worship him who lives forever and ever. They put their crowns down before the throne and say, our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. You made all things. Everything existed and was made because you wanted it. And what I want to do is give you a little pastoral nudge to join in. Don't miss the party. Join the party. Join the wise men from the east side and the wise men from the heavenly side. And bow your knee and go to a whole new level of worship this season. Because in Jesus you find someone who is truly worthy of worship. I mean, is there really such thing as an atheist, really? It seems to me everybody worships someone or something. And we live in a culture where stars are everywhere. You turn on the television, and well, I can watch Dancing with the Stars. A star is born. There's rock stars, sports stars, movie stars. We live in a culture that's filled with celebrities. You can be famous just for being famous. It's amazing. And yet even these stars, as great as some of them are, they're still fallen stars. They're frail human beings like you and me. And at some point, they will fail you. They will. There is only one star who will never fail you. It's the real star of Bethlehem. His name is Jesus. Amen. God with us. Hallelujah. He's the one who is really worthy of my worship. And if I reach out this season and touch the star, who knows? He may reach out and touch me. And when he does, we had something that was called Live in the Round. It was a night of worship over in the Horton Youth Center about a month ago. They just came together to worship Jesus. And when you reach out and touch the star, you never know what can happen. One lady writes... It was like reaching out and making contact with everything good. Hope, joy, peace. It was in those moments where the presence of God was so tangible. It created the absence of everything else. Worries fell. Fear disappeared. Hopelessness died. And grace wrapped me in its arms and reminded my heart that it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. She ends the testimony by saying, I don't want to ever get tired of it. I don't either. When we come to this season, I don't want to ever get tired of coming to the mystery of all mysteries and following the frankincense to where it takes me all the way to this amazing truth that God is with us. And what I nudge you to do this season, whether it's, 
Well, have your own live in the round, around the dining room table, or around the Christmas tree, around the fireplace. Have your own live in the round where you bow your knee and you give worship to the one who is truly worthy. Jesus, you are the very reason that I exist at all. Jesus, every breath I take is a gift from you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me like you do. And I give you honor, and I give you glory, and I give you praise this season. If you reach out and touch the star, you never know. The star may reach out and touch you. And when the God above you becomes the God who is with you, that is what this season is all about. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes for just a moment. And there's a familiar course. It's a simple course. Take this simple gift of this simple course and offer it to Jesus. As the tech team preps for the final number, would you sing this course with me? And oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Let's lift it up for he alone is worthy for he alone is worthy for he alone is worthy Christ the Lord Jesus thank you again for this season of all seasons when we remember the truth that God is with us and because of that we can know what God is really like and live in that truth Jesus we can know that light will prevail in our lives ultimately and eternally light will prevail And Jesus, in you, we finally found someone that we've searched for all of our lives, someone who's worthy of worship. And we give you honor and glory and praise this season when the God above us becomes the God with us. We give you honor and glory and praise, Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Can we give him praise one more time? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll put on your seatbelts. This band and the lights are going to come alive as we celebrate. Jesus is the light of the world. Give them a great big welcome as they come.
know how much you appreciate them helping us celebrate.